a good Tuesday to you, and thanks for choosing Real Talk with your valuable free time. We appreciate it. Ryan Jesperson here, John Hicks, riding shotgun on this June 21st. Good morning. Good morning to you, my man. It is National Indigenous Peoples Day. We've got a special edition of the show coming up. Uh, Looking forward to speaking with three people who are, uh, as I said yesterday in a tweet from our official account at, at Real Talk RJ, three people who are making big impacts in their communities. We'll lead off with Shea Bird today. Shea is the CEO of, uh, in our home province, Indigenous Tourism Alberta. I'm looking forward to the the uh, commerce and tourism angle, uh, the the celebration of culture, uh, and uh, and sort of understanding how an investment or, or different investments, public, private, and otherwise, uh, translates into uh, different avenues of, of reconciliation and to, to really offering opportunity uh, to collaborating with First Nation and Indigenous communities uh, across the province in particular, and I'm sure that our conversation will probably look beyond those boundaries as well. That conversation coming up in just a moment. Human rights advocate Chevy Rabbit will join us. She's the founder of Hate to Hope, uh, which is a movement more than a decade ago. It's hard to believe. I remember when I first interviewed Chevy, when they first formed Hate to Hope, it was it had roots, uh, pretty discouraging roots. Yeah, uh, Chevy had been the target of bullying and decided to put together an event that would bring people together in solidarity, draw some attention to the fact that the LGBTQ2S plus community was experiencing this, that she had experienced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe if I remember correctly, it was either on or near university campus when it happened. Chevy's going to talk to us now 10 years later about the work that they're doing. Um, some amazing stuff being two spirit through uh, not just National Indigenous Peoples Day, but also Pride Month. Uh, I think it's going to be a great conversation yeah. there. And then we'll wrap things up today with a good friend of mine. I haven't spoken with her in a while, so I'm looking forward to catching up. Sage Morin, a.k.a. The Matriarch. The Matriarch, in quotation marks. The Matriarch. I love it. Sage is embarking on a new career as a wrestler, which is yeah, amazing. She has been, uh, over the past about a year and a half, absolutely transforming herself, and not just in the context of wrestling, but and, and I don't want to tell her story on her behalf because I can't. But quite frankly, I think she hit a point where she said, I need to reconnect with my culture. I want to talk to her about her sobriety. I I believe this this might be on the actual day, but at least this week. Uh, She's 19 months sober. She talked to me off camera. uh, Looking forward to this conversation. We'll be talking to Sage in, let's say, about 35 minutes from now, 40 minutes from now. She said that she made a conscious decision. She had to eliminate the noise. She needed to open the channel of communication between her and creator. And this is why she uh, essentially swore off alcohol and has uh, really seen. I mean, it's just you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about when we check in with Sage. You may recognize Sage's name as well. She was in the news a number of years ago. Her family, and she in particular, experienced the worst heartbreak I think that somebody possibly could experience, the death of her young child. And we'll talk about and remember young Gio, her son, uh, who was killed in, in, in a horrific uh, motor vehicle accident, a crash. The family was sitting on a restaurant patio. You probably remember this. A vehicle crashed through the glass and and hit her son and and uh sage as you can imagine your life turned absolutely upside down and uh she dealt with the consequences of that uh, on a personal level most particularly and to see her today doing what she's doing and uh, feeling and and uh you know being as healthy as she is today is is really incredible so these are stories of inspiration today 
But they're stories that are rooted in some circumstances in heartbreak. And I think that it, it gives us an opportunity today to really evaluate the human spirit, to better understand what it is that drives people, to come to an understanding of how culture fits into all of this and identity and of course, we'll rely on you for much of our conversation today as well. You can hit us up on our hashtag RealTalkRJ. You can, of course, send us an email anytime to talk at RyanJesperson.com. This show happens because we have the support of partners like the team at Bitcoin Well. And we were telling you yesterday that they're making it easier than ever if you want to safely and quickly buy Bitcoin online. You can check out BitcoinWell.com for more details. Uh, they want to let you know it's takes about two minutes, maybe less, to sign up for an account at BitcoinWell.com, and then you can try buying with e-transfer. So every purchase after that can be done directly from your banking app. So it's the ultimate one-touch Bitcoin buying experience. Uh, we never tell you to buy or sell your Bitcoin. I talked to my buddy Chivers yesterday. He said, don't you dare sell your Bitcoin right now. <laughs> now is not the time to sell, he says. But if that is your thing, or if you have questions, we recommend you talk to the team at Bitcoin Well. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. The reason I was talking to Chivers, by the way, yesterday, he and his wife, Katie drove up from Calgary yesterday to to participate in the the uh, celebration of life for our good friend Julie Rohr and it was amazing to see Julie's family to have an opportunity to connect with many of her friends as as uh, we observed what, what would have been as a matter of fact uh, the day after her 40th birthday Julie passing away at 39 you saw her if you're a regular audience member on this show you saw her several times including just a short time before her passing and just a remarkable individual. I wanted to take a moment here to recognize Julie and, uh, of course, to send uh, love and light to her family, her husband, David Shore, with a remarkable address yesterday to the people gathered and those that were watching streaming online. We thank you to everybody that, that joined there. And, and David and I have been corresponding because he's going to be among those that are joining us on Thursday at the Real Talk Golf Classic in support of the Julie Rohr Scholarship. And so we wanted to put that on your radar. Uh, Johnny helped me put together a beautiful video yesterday. Oh, come on. Talking about the golf tournament. We wanted to let people know we do have, there were three foursomes still available yesterday. Yeah. I think it might be down to two now. Um, I did get word that there was one that signed up. And so, uh, so anyway, the point is we want to make sure this scholarship is well-funded. There's a ton of people joining us there on Thursday at the Ranch Golf and Country well, Club. It, it is already well-funded, but it'd be great to get those two last That's spots a good point. filled up and just have a sellout crowd, I want to be able so. to say we sold it out in we year it. one. So it's Thursday, <laughs> June 23rd. It's a couple of days from now, of course, and uh, a 2.15 p.m. tee-off. You can check out ryanjesperson.com, go under the events link, and you'll find the Real Talk Golf class if you feel inclined. I know some of you have the week off right now. You're going... I could make it. Yeah, I could go. Or I could blow off an afternoon of work. Yeah. You know, show up at seven. <laughs> you know, work till noon. Make yeah. sure everybody sees you. Make sure everybody sees you working hard. And then whew, out the, the back, the Homer Simpson into the bush. Is it, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> See you Monday. Onto the tee box. <laughs> there you have it. So uh, of course that's coming up on Thursday. And we're very much looking forward to it. Grateful for all of our sponsors and everybody that's helping us make a contribution to that scholarship. It'll provide a five thousand uh, dollar annual payment to a post-secondary student registered at, at an accredited institution anywhere in Canada 
that's lost a parent to cancer. And that's one that's, I know, really important to a lot of us. As mentioned today, and, and by the way, summer solstice too, the, the so-called longest day of the year, as Just they thinking say. about that on the do way Do you have here. plans for tonight? No. I mean, what do you do? Do you worship the sun? Do you get out there? And I think I'm going to do a little meditating. Because uh. like uh, last night I went to bed at like, I told you, I, I was like, I got to catch up on sleep. I went to bed at like 8, 45, 9 o'clock. And it's weird going to bed when it's light out. So tonight it's going to be even harder. I might do a little little meditation. I've been trying that lately. I always try to have a have a fire outside on oh, the twenty first. Nice. Yeah, just I don't know, just kind of a tradition. Thanks for inviting uh, me. A buddy of mine. Yeah, you want to come over? Oh, come on. You could it could be your it could be your first time over to the, over to the place. Right. Well, I've been there when you're not there. Yeah, that's true. To grab things from to, the to uh, pick things up. It's a grand cabin, central grand central station over there. That's right. Our garage called the cabin. You know it. So many people will be observing today in different ways, but across the country, we focus on National Indigenous Peoples Day. Of course, Indigenous people in Canada, First Nations, uh, Métis, Inuit people will be observing different traditions, and and, and we hope there will be bridges of communication so non-Indigenous people can can better understand what we need to be focusing on today, and in particular, what we should be celebrating our first guest, Shay Bird, is the CEO of Indigenous Tourism Alberta, responsible for the development and growth of Alberta's indigenous tourism industry. So they've created just uh, I want to hear about this, this new strategy that will run from 2020 to 2024 to drive business while growing Indigenous Tourism Alberta's membership to more than 180 partners. So Shea works on securing funding grants, working to stabilize Indigenous businesses, and of course, uh, spreading that word across the country and beyond, bringing people here to experience Indigenous Tourism. Shay, joining us this morning, uh, do I say a happy National Indigenous Peoples Day to you? What does it mean to you, Shay? Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me. Very exciting. And uh, yeah, I, I think when you say happy National Indigenous Peoples Day, you know, it, for me, you know, it, it's going to mean different things for different people. But I think for me personally, it's a day to uh, celebrate the diversity of Indigenous culture throughout our country. Um, it's a it's a day to educate, you know, certainly from our uh, non-Indigenous brothers and sisters across the province and across the country. You know, it's a day to really reflect and, and educate ourselves on that Indigenous culture and history um, that maybe is in our backyard that we didn't necessarily know of. And and ultimately a day to celebrate the beautiful Indigenous culture throughout our country and to build a relationship, you know, to get out there and, and meet some of our Indigenous community members and build those relationships and, and just learn in a reciprocal way, you know, what what is uh, what is about Indigenous tourism that's so meaningful and, and Indigenous people and culture and and just kind of immerse yourself in that. Yeah, when I think of when I think of those two words together, indigenous tourism, I mean, it obviously implies that there's going to be a, sort of a cultural experience, or that the business uh, will be indigenous owned, or that the the actual territory that you're exploring or visiting will have significance to a First Nations community or an indigenous community. When we talk about so-called indigenous tourism, how do you explain it to somebody that might say, "Well, I've never really heard that specific phrase before." Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think, you know, how we define Indigenous tourism is any tourism based product that is majority owned and operated. So 51% either by a Indigenous entrepreneur or Indigenous community. So this could be, you know, a variety of things. It could be a restaurant, it could be a 
more traditional experience or it could be you know something like fly fishing on the bow river or rock climbing but they're it's owned by a indigenous entrepreneur or community and you know a byproduct of that is typically learning about that indigenous culture and that indigenous connection to the land in which you're having this experience on um, which you know provides a little bit more of a kind of educational piece other than just you know the face value say rock climbing or mm-hmm. uh, fishing experience that you are purchasing at, at the beginning so are you seeing trends is there is there an, an uptick uh in recent years i mean you launched this strategy just a couple of years ago it covers the next couple of years as well are you seeing an increase in in indigenous ownership are you seeing an increase in interest from non-indigenous visitors yeah absolutely i think you know first from the operator side we've seen a incredible increase in appetite for indigenous entrepreneurs and communities looking to get into this space and you know we have a variety of kpis or key performance indicators that we're trying to achieve by 2024 the main one being hitting pre-pandemic levels or 2019 levels of gdp contribution job growth Uh, full-time employment positions, these type of things throughout Alberta. Um, But in terms of membership, we've actually surpassed 200 members for our membership already within Alberta. So we saw the largest uh, membership increase than any other province and territory in the country over the past two years, um, which really shows the appetite from the entrepreneur and the communities looking to get into this Indigenous tourism space. Um, But then also from the demand side, from the consumer, we're seeing increased demand uh, domestically, certainly with the current environment that we're in and wanting to learn more about the Indigenous culture in their own backyard. And I think there's a bit of a renaissance happening that people are realizing, hey, like I may not know the true story of Canada or maybe what I was taught wasn't necessarily the right narrative or the right perspective that should have been shared so people are looking at like how can i learn more and because of that we're seeing increased demand from the domestic markets and then internationally we've always seen uh, a high demand Uh, on average one in three international tourists are looking for some type of indigenous tourism experience when they're coming to canada so you know whether it's domestically internationally or from the business owner themselves and entrepreneurs and communities the demand is increasing on all sides yeah that's amazing Uh, though not surprising right you'd think that people that are international visitors to canada um, it would make perfect sense that that would be something they'd be interested in are there specific challenges or unique barriers that indigenous either uh, entrepreneurs uh, or communities face in implementing this and in, in, in drafting investment and getting sort of marketing resources, uh, getting the word out, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, I would say, you know, with international markets, we see a higher sentiment towards indigenous tourism in our international markets than we do in our own backyard in, in Canada. So one of the challenges, certainly with COVID, with the border shutdown, Um, was, you know, we saw an increase in domestic travel, which in theory would be good to offset the international traveler that wasn't coming. But the reality is the international traveler made up a large portion of that GDP contribution for Indigenous tourism because in comparison to non-Indigenous tourism, the international traveler had much larger uh, impact 
on the indigenous tourism space because of that increased sentiment. So that was one of the challenges uh, we saw. And then like there's there's so many barriers in the current system, whether it's accessing funding or, you know, you know, labor force infrastructure, transportation infrastructure. There's a lot of challenges that go into just developing indigenous tourism. And a lot of that is because the current system is built from a non-indigenous perspective, yeah. a non-indigenous worldview, right? So we're now looking at it's it's not just the cultural differences, but it's the the worldview differences, the motivators of why you're getting in indigenous tourism or why you're becoming a business owner overall. Um, there's a lot of different pieces. Relationship building is a huge one. Um, there's a lot of different you know facets that need to be taken into consideration that may not necessarily translate to the current system in place. Can you? So, can, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to pick your brain on that a bit. Can you take yeah. us into one like an example, like the the first one that comes to mind? Of, of of maybe there was some successful collaboration but but that that bridge that had to be crossed and and how it happened yeah absolutely well i think you know a very basic example would be you know we typically run on either a funding year or a four-year election year for funding for these type of things right so you're expected to get the dollars in the bank which are usually delayed the implementation of whatever process is placed and then the results within you know at most a four-year period of a election cycle where we know that if there is no relationship existing with a community or with a uh you know urban population of indigenous entrepreneurs and those type of things there's been a lot of distrust within that history it's gonna take a, a long period of time to build that relationship and as opposed to a uh, non-indigenous relationship model it typically it's transactional so it's like you know i'm going to come to something uh, i'm going to provide this you're going to provide that it's going to be in both our good favors and then we're going to go our separate ways where when you're building a relationship with indigenous community entrepreneurs um you know it's very much relational it's it's okay how are we connected what are our similarities let's get to know each other a little bit and build a bit of that reciprocal relationship as a foundation and then let's talk about any potential transactional discussions that we can have in the future but it takes that foundation of relationship to start before you get anywhere later on and that takes time but that being said once that foundation is created once that transaction's completed, if it comes to be, that relationship's still there. It's not the transaction's done and, and the relationship done. That relationship is is very long lasting, similar to family. And I think that's why you see such a strong relationship with the indigenous tourism sector specifically in across the country is because you know our, our sector is very small but very much like a family we're all in this together and yeah we may have our bickerings here and there but at the end of the day we're we're all trying to achieve the same ultimate goal um and that's the power of you know relationship building within the indigenous side versus the non-indigenous side that may be a little bit more transactional yeah are, are there specific considerations to, like do do, uh, do do some indigenous uh, tourism startups or or maybe some of the the uh you know the, the geographical areas uh that might have great potential to welcome visitors to generate revenue to share the idea of culture there must also be some sensitivities right like i, I think of 
I'm going to speak in real general terms here, which is typically a pretty dangerous exercise. But, you know, say you when you look at the white man, uh, when you when you look at, at, at that, that how, you know, settlers talk about the land or talk about areas, they talk about like breaking the land or like conquering the the peak or you know what i mean there's this real sort of like domination or sort of like achievement type narrative right and then if you talk to indigenous people typically i was telling the story on the show a few days ago about this really moving and wonderful family adventure we took on that the boat out to spirit island uh you know on on Maline lake and the tour guide did just i just wanted to commend her publicly she did a remarkable job of talking about the indigenous history in that area and it's significant. It goes back millennia. And and she was reiterating the idea that that so-called Spirit Island uh, is 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 not an island where you'd all go tramp on and set up your selfie sticks and have a quick campfire, roast some smokies like it's just that's not how it goes. And uh, and that was just one example that came to mind that made me wonder are, is you know, I mean, even furthermore, are there First Nations communities that might be hesitant to, to welcome thousands of visitors to an area that might be sacred or very significant to them? Yeah, absolutely. I think a really important piece to know is, well, A, I, I certainly don't speak for any Indigenous communities or entrepreneurs. I'm just kind of the voice for our industry. Sure. But what I've seen um, at a high level, you know, it, Indigenous is not homogenous. Every nation, every community, like they're all going to have their own priorities, their own challenges barriers and those type of things and also their own process in reclaiming their own culture um, and some communities simply haven't gone down that process of reclaiming their own culture uh, to a point where they're comfortable sharing and that's okay and then there's other other communities that may just have other economic priorities based on their geographical geographical location, or maybe it's just different priorities within the community, and that's okay too. Um, it's certainly not like you know indigenous tourism; everybody wants to do it, but you know that's that's the beauty in it. And you know, for us as non-indigenous partners throughout, whether you're a regional DMO or a municipality. You know, we have to be okay with saying that community doesn't want it. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to say, well, we want to work with them, but they don't want to do anything. That's not our decision to make. It's their decision to make. And that's that's okay. But the reality is there's enough communities and entrepreneurs throughout the province that want to be in this space that we can really uplift by providing the right tools to try and accelerate that growth. Um, and then if other communities want to move into that space, once they've seen a little bit more progression or, or maybe their economic priorities have changed, then um, that, that's great too. But we're, we're simply, we're not here to kind of get everyone in Indigenous tourism. We're just here to support the entrepreneurs and communities that want to be in that space. And there's certainly a lot of them within Alberta and across the country. Um, but there certainly is also communities, entrepreneurs that don't want to be in that space. And that's all right. Okay. So Shay, here's the deal. You're not allowed to take yourself off the hook on this question. I already know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Ryan, that's like asking me to pick a favorite child. I can't do it, but I, I would be curious for you to name two or three for people that are right now, because, you know, people still probably have open blocks in their summer. People still have weekends or a whole week, maybe that they have available. They could go check something out. What are a couple examples of indigenous tourism opportunities close to home, so to speak, uh, that you think people really need to check out? Absolutely. Well, you know, I'll just I'll mention a couple, but you're you're correct. I, I can't 
pick all there's so many there's like i said we have only over 200 businesses across the province we have so much but you know i was starting in calgary moonstone creation is an amazing artisan uh, shop within downtown calgary to check out all authentic work drift out west fly fishing is a great experience on the boat river in calgary moving up to edmonton we have a company talking rock tours provides some really great walking tours in the city uh, i'd be remiss to say uh, Métis Crossing, an incredible Métis cultural center. They just opened up a boutique hotel out in Smoky Lake. So just about an hour outside Edmonton and an incredible place to really connect with Métis culture. And then moving into the mountains like Jasper, you have a company like Warrior Women providing fireside chats, medicine walks, and just a really interper interpersonal relationship and experience. Uh, with the guide Matricia and her staff on learning about that that culture up there. So there is such a variety. My my suggestion is really go to indigenoustourismalberta.ca. Look at the region that you're going to be in, whether it's your backyard or one that you're moving into to explore and uh, just see what's available and book. But there is such a variety within Alberta and, and simply uh, a great opportunity to learn about the Indigenous culture within our province. Yeah, Matricia Bauer's a legend. Hey, we, we, we have a segment every Wednesday, we, we, My Jasper Memories. And yeah. uh, people can check out our archives there, jasper.travel slash real talk. And, and, and we get into her in particular and what makes her tick. And boy, is she ever a remarkable person. And she uh, she's Absolutely. like her, her enthusiasm, you know, I've heard her speak. I've, I've seen her perform like drumming, singing. And and it's just like she just has this impact on people. Almost, you know, anyone that shares a room with her that that's that's really remarkable. In closing, Shay, have you had a, a moment like, you know, epiphany is a big word, obviously. But but have you had a moment that's made an impression on you through your tenure as a CEO uh, of Indigenous Tourism Alberta that's that's you know sort of made an impact on you that that might be fitting to share here on National Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, I think you know, just I I've, I've had the opportunity to experience Indigenous tourism across the country and and certainly within Alberta, um, the diversity of experiences and cultures are really a big takeaway. It's not one experience is the same as the other. Even if you're doing a medicine walk in Calgary versus Edmonton, there are different areas, different medicines grow there, different traditional knowledge and different nations. Um, there's such a diversity. And I think, you know, the power of moving back into a indigenous worldview and perspective on way how we handle each other uh, through relationships, how we handle the land, I think there's a lot of power in that. And there's a lot of healing in that. And I think, you know, certainly coming out of the past two years, the world needs a little bit more healing. And I think, you know, indigenous worldview and culture and perspective is, uh, you know, a good way of moving forward in that direction towards healing. And I think, you know, if we can do so together in a relationship way, reciprocal relationship, I think we're going to be in a much better place for our future generations. So, you know, it starts with a relationship. So just go out there get entwined with some indigenous community members entrepreneurs get to know each other and and start there and and go from there with an open mind and i think uh you you'll feel it in your heart very soon yeah i love that you put it that way shay you know it's like we've had different conversations the show's been around here for i guess about a year and a half now and and we're talking to you about tourism and, and really entrepreneurial ventures and business partnerships and those types of things 
Uh, we've talked to wildfire experts. We've talked to a ton of different people that make compelling arguments for for adopting or integrating indigenous perspectives, indigenous traditions uh, into into the management or, or or I mean, just essentially, really uh, the exercise of of uh, furthering these business opportunities. And and I think there's a real wisdom there. I want to thank you for making time for us today and 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 sharing a little bit of of your personal National Indigenous Peoples Day with uh, the Real Talk audience. We appreciate it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. Sure will, Shay. And I'm sitting here, like, as we're talking to Shay, uh, CEO of Indigenous Tourism Alberta, uh, like, <laughs> I know we're supposed to just be going through the website to show it to the audience that's watching on YouTube right now, but I'm also You're like, oh, I, I, I'm like, I want to do like, this one. I want to do this one. It's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Uh, across the province, it's cool. You could filter by type. So maybe you're just looking for accommodations. You're going to be in a certain part of the province. Maybe you're looking for an attraction, like something to do, food and entertainment, guided tours, transportation, some really neat stuff, uh, art houses. I mean, once I start reading about this, obviously we could go forever, but uh, yeah. Beautiful stuff, and it's really neat to hear how these have taken off in some communities. And I'm not also surprised to hear, Johnny, I bet you're not either, like, to hear that some communities are saying, yeah, like maybe not for us. Maybe that's not for us, right? I remember talking to Chief Billy Morin from Enoch Cree Nation a while ago and talking about different priorities of different First Nations or mm-hmm. different communities. You know, in his, in the context of the energy business, he's like, we're pro-pipeline. We want to see these pipelines. You have some communities on the West Coast being like, hell no, yeah, not for us, right? It makes I- sense. It's completely different regions completely different yeah. populations i'm glad you asked that question though about how he feels about it because i don't know how i'd feel about going to these places that i know mean so much to a culture and like you're kind of like i don't know you want to absorb it you want to like get yeah. all the information but you also want to be respectful so yeah i saw somebody yesterday and i wish i had it in front of me i don't but just as i was scrolling social media somebody um and making very valid points taking real issue with something i think it had happened in toronto but it was like a gathering or demonstration in toronto and there were some indigenous elders there and there was uh, uh my, i think it was actually a powwow but there there was so there was a dance exhibition and things like that but but some of the as this person was was chronicling in their twitter thread some non-native people as they put them just the the double n they just had nn the non-natives but but some of the the behavior and some of what was happening there was was incredibly offensive. And I was reading about it and thinking, I bet you that some of these folks now I'm not trying to give people a pass. I think that you need to learn up and study up and be observant and, you know, be respectful and all of the things, mm-hmm. empathetic, intelligent. Uh, but, you know, they're saying, you know, for example, you know, these people were taking photos of this ceremony. Well, you don't take photos of that ceremony. That's a sacred ceremony. You go, right, right. Or this person was touching this artifact. You shouldn't be touching this artifact. Or there were kids running around during the during the dance. Yeah. Right. There were kids you know, running around and playing during the dance. And it was disrespectful. And you're sitting there going like, see, that's why when you want to ask that question, because there's things like, do you need to sort of almost in some circumstances uh, mentally prepare yourself or culturally prepare yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, these, I think it would these, be a good idea to kind of stay off your phone at, at these kind of places and more take everything in, right? Be present. I, it's not kind of, you know, yeah. I love it. In our live chat, people are, are sharing their own thoughts on, on this day, and, and we, uh, we invite that, of course. People are uh, talking about who inspires them, uh, indigenous artists across the country, musicians. Uh, we welcome that. And, and of course, we celebrate that uh, not just through the show today, not just these 75 or 90 minutes or, or however long the well, show Well, I was going to say, being, we do but, it all the time. Yeah. Today's just 
for it solely, but we mm. do we do it all the time. We do it every week. Hmm. Uh, Jillian with a good question says I don't know if I missed something but is there an accreditation or a way like, of knowing if an indigenous tourism operator is legit and maybe not uh, con men or pretenders trying to make a buck that's a great question should have asked Shay that Shay's still here do you want to is Shay still sitting <laughs> He's there? He's still there. Sure. Why don't that we pop? Was, why, why not? Why not pop him in for thirty seconds? The best I mean, I would imagine. I well, probably on the website, their member base is yeah. probably the best way well, to vet these tourism let's operators. Shay, I hope you don't mind us bringing you back in. But well, I'm well, just enjoying the conversation. But yeah, I'm happy to jump in. Well, it's here. a great question um, from Jillian. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you are a member of Indigenous Tourism Alberta, uh, yes, you are 51% owned and operated Indigenous. You are a authentic experience. Um, when we get our membership applications in, we, we vet all our applications. We, we do a thorough follow-up process to ensure that it is authentic. And then from a national perspective, there is a organization, Indigenous Tourism Association in Canada. They're creating a RISE accreditation right now, which will also be that authentication kind of stamp of approval that you'll be able to see. And that is looking to launch, I think, within the next year or in the current year. So there'll be a more national one from across the country with this rise program but anyone through indigenous tourism alberta is is certainly that authentic experience have you encountered that have, have you seen the, the, the so-called scammers have you seen people uh you know pretending to be or portraying themselves as indigenous when they're not i i don't think i've come across anyone pretending to be indigenous um i've certainly had people maybe portraying information that they wouldn't necessarily be allowed to portray, but they thought they were allowed. So it was ah. you know, probably well intended, but they weren't educated enough to know that that isn't your place to be sharing that information. Um, so I, I think I've, I've come across that a couple of times, but honestly, you know, most th there's such a variety of indigenous people looking to get in the space. Like that's really where I'm coming across. So I not very often. I love it. Thanks, Shay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, you bet. Chevy Rabbit standing by. We're going to get to her in just a quick second. Wanted to remind you that if your family is is uh, among the thousands uh, in Western Canada right now, in particular in Alberta, that would qualify as that sandwich generation. You know, maybe maybe you're 50, 50, you know, or late 40s, early 50s, and you're still looking after your kids. You know, maybe you've got them in high school or university. They, they need a little financial help or maybe they need a little advice. And then you've got your parents. Your parents want to age in place, for example. They don't want to go into a home, but at the same time, you're, you're looking and you're going, well, there's some things we need to make sure that are being covered, some boxes that need to be ticked. You know, is, is mom taking her meds? Is dad eating properly? Is the laundry getting done? Is the litter box getting emptied? Are they being looked after? Are they being cared for with compassion, with cultural sensitivity? This is what Infinity Healthcare does. You can check out their services online at infinity-8.ca, including personal care, nursing care, home support, and Alberta Health Services self-managed care, which means you take advantage of existing funding from Alberta Health Services, but you direct it where you want it to go. You choose your home service provider. That's what Infinity Healthcare does. You can find them under the Sponsors tab as well on our website. At Friesen Brothers, they're in 16 different Alberta communities, which means that thousands of families are relying on them for real good food all the time. They know that that's where the magic happens, around the family dinner table. 
And in the summer outside, if you're looking to heat up the grill, maybe tonight, the longest day of the year, the shortest night time, perfect for late night barbecuing. Why not visit one of the butchers at Friesen Brothers? Check out their real Alberta beef, pork, chicken, turkey, and of course their plant-based options as well. And we were just showing you there online at Friesen.com, the Friesen Brothers barbecue sauce lineup. My personal recommendation, John, is the original barbecue sauce. Oh, gee. Uh, that's not a slight, though, against the hickory, the chicken and rib, or the honey garlic. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. If you're looking for brisket, if you're looking for pork belly, they do it all. I was talking to my buddy Russell out at You Need a Barbecue in Sherwood Park the other day. He puts on these exhibitions. He teaches people how to smoke and, like, yeah, I mean, like all of the stuff, like these, these sort of 12 hour exercises with the brisket. He gets his beef at Friesen Brothers. I go, you're kidding me. He goes, well, it's the best in Alberta. Where else would I get it? I went, well, I said, I'm going to say that on the show. He said, please mention my business if you do. So, Russell, there you go. And our friends at Local Environmental want to remind you that they're operating across the prairies, Alberta, Saskatchewan, locally owned, family owned, and locally operating. Whether you need front load or roll off bins, maybe you're doing a renovation, a roofing job, a big landscaping job, maybe you're finally purging your basement. Maybe you need to fill your pool. Now, you're out in the country, you need a big water hauler. What about fencing and portable toilets for a music festival? A family reunion, they've got you covered at localenvironmental.ca. And John, what are we celebrating today at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton in Sherwood Park? We were talking about the chicken strip basket yesterday, how it's literally the best chicken in the quick service restaurant industry. Well, it's the signature stack burgers today we highlight, including... The original cheeseburger, the two cheese deluxe, and my personal favorite, the bacon two cheese deluxe. I went with a triple the other day. I tweeted a photo of it, and everybody loved it. I had people saying, which Dairy Queen is that from? I said, well, that's from my home Dairy Queen of Westmount. It's like home ice for me. But I said, you can also find it at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, and in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. That is the Jespo recommendation, the Bacon <laughs> Two Cheese Deluxe. How'd you get to work after eating that? Yeah, I have no idea. That was kind of one of those ones where I needed to just take a second and enjoy. You know what I mean? Be there in the moment. Okay. It is National Indigenous Peoples Day. And today we celebrate the stories of people that are making big impacts in their communities. Now, different things will drive these people's stories, their personal experiences, the culture they experienced around them or didn't, perhaps. Every story unique. Chevy Rabbit is a community organizer, a transgender activist, a hate crime activist, the founder of the Hate to Hope movement in Edmonton. She's been named one of Edmonton's top 40 under 40 by Avenue Magazine. Now Edify uh, works as a journalist at Alberta Native News and contributes her time to the RCMP Diversity Committee and the Alberta Hate Crimes Committee. Uh, Chevy lives a life of intersectionality and continues to turn dark chapters of her life into lessons and positive messages for the public. It's an absolute honor to welcome Chevy to Real Talk. Thank you for making time for us. It's been, it's been a while since you and I have spoken. Yeah, it's been a while. So I'm out in a country. I'm, um, my family's hosting a traditional Cree Sundance. Um, so I'm way out here supporting family. Um, and a wire band or whatever is not that good. Don't so, worry so. about it. No, don't even don't even mention it because we'll jinx it. But, but right now it, you're coming through loud and clear, crystal clear, my friend. Can you can yeah. you tell us about the celebration that's that's going to happen today? 
Um, it's not really a celebration. It's more like um, think of the Sundance as uh, a church. Okay. Uh, it's something spiritual. People get their naming done. That's where I got my Cree name by my my late uncle, uh, the longest serving chief in Canada, Leo Cattleman, um, which is Sweet Grass Person. It's a non-binary name, so who knows? It's like kind of cool because there's Sweetgrass Woman, Sweetgrass Man, Sweetgrass Person. So it's almost like it's very fitting for me. And you get named, it's almost like a Christensen. Um, so it's very, um, people fast and it's very, uh, it's very spiritual. You're not allowed to take photos there. It's very um, sacred. Huh. Chevy, you uh, have been, I mean, through the course of, of, I think, about the approximately 10 years that you and I have known each other when you first founded Fate, uh, Hate to Hope which yeah. was a, a remarkable <clears throat> i remember no hate at the time uh, no hate at the time that's right and and who will forget the image of you leading i don't know how many hundreds of people down there was at, about 500 yeah 500 like 500 people came together to march you know i remember walking you you were walking across edmonton's high level bridge which is this like century old bridge and it remarkable but this but this had all come about your advocacy had been born out of an, a very negative experience for you uh, can you take us back to that point in your life and and how all of your sort of public advocacy got kick started yeah i think um it was way back then. Um, sorry, my friend Catherine Swampy just walked, walked in. We were invited to the, the minister's event. They're doing a bunch. I, as a journalist, too, I have to keep on keep on writing stories. Are you talking about uh, Councillor Swampy? Yeah, she's picking me up right now, way out in the country. They're, we're doing a bunch of different events um, with the minister, Rick Wilson. We have to go to three different events. So once I'm done here, I'm heading out. And then I have to do a speech with Starbucks Canada to <laughs> talk about diversity. So oh, I'm I always like... There's like you have there's never a dull moment. Uh you're never you're never just sitting back and relaxing if there's anything I, I know about you. But but this all started as as a result of you being targeted for who yeah. you are. I think when I think about who I was at that time, I was into fashion. I was a fashion makeup artist. I never thought of being an advocate. Yes, I grew up around advocates. My grandma Sarah Shaw got the Centennial Award for advocating for children, all children in wealth uh, child welfare, not just indigenous, but all. My, my aunts and uncles have been in chief and council for 100 years and have used their position to advocate for on behalf of Indigenous communities, not just their community. So I grew up with these change makers. But who I was at that time, uh, I was existing in my mom's bubble. My mom broke into generational trauma. My, uh, my grandpa, Joe Rabbit, was the longest serving council, councilman in our community. Um, and he had been impacted by residential schools. So she broke residential school trauma for me. And I was coming to the school. I was coming to Edmonton to learn about the social issues plaguing Indigenous people because uh, I was not aware uh, of what was going on in Canada. I lived in, a, I would say, a bubble at that time. I worked for high-end makeup companies, Western Canada Fashion Week, and I was just living my life, um, being loved and respected for who I was as, at the time, a gay man, but very, very feminine. I wasn't aware uh, at that time, even what transgender was, I, I just moved from the country uh, to Edmonton to pursue my education. Uh, and then I was assaulted in my four, fourth year. And then it's been a journey to become an advocate. Hmm. Well, I, I know that a lot of people and, and I would say probably in particular, young people have have looked to you as an example of strength, as an example of of perseverance and certainly as, as an example of somebody who is proud of, of who they are and who instills that pride in other people. Now, this National Indigenous Peoples Day also occurs in the midst of Pride Month uh, for yourself. How do those two reconcile? What does that mean to you? <laughs> 
I think from an indigenous lens, I think that residential schools played a big part. It impacted all communities. Like, yes, my mother broke into generational trauma, but other parts of my family, I have a huge family, um, are still going through residential school trauma. But I think for us, we grew up loved and respected, like for who we are, like as LGBTQ. Um, but as an advocate, I recognize a lot of families are struggling from... It's almost like they got taught how to hate and you need to unlearn hate through residential schools. And there are some LGBT family members who are ostracized from their family for being LGBTQ. They're pushed out of their community, pushed out of their family. And they often go to the cities where they're marginalized, face further marginalization, especially if they're transgender. They'll face um, housing uh, discrimination. They'll face employment discrimination. They'll pay, they, and if they don't have that support, they often suffer from mental health issues and they're just going through continued trauma. So for me, how they overlap is that um, I, I, like, um, I, I recommend or I advocate that Indigenous people unlearn the hate from res residential school traumas and become more inclusive to LGBT members and trans transgender folks um, who are just trying to live their lives. One sec. Hmm. I know you got to go. Is that Counselor Swampy right there? Yeah, can you come say hi? Yeah, can, can she come say yeah. hi? Yeah, she's all dressed. This up. is this is uh, <laughs> Catherine Swampy, who's a, a band counselor for the Samson Cree Nation, and, and it's been a while oh, since I've had a chance to speak with her <laughs> as well. I love this. This is real life. This is how this happens. Uh, counselor, how are you? It's so nice to see your face. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much. Yeah, I know that this is an impromptu interview and, and Chevy tells us that you're on the clock, that I think you're meeting with a government minister in just a moment. But 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 as we will welcome you to the show, if you can give us 30 seconds of your time, um, you, you've got a captive audience here and a lot of people will hear this this podcast through the day and, and through this week on National Indigenous Peoples Day. What's what's something that you would challenge people across the country, both indigenous and or non-indigenous to focus on today? Being an ally. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely being an ally. I feel like anyone should get out there and enjoy all of the Indigenous Day activities that they have going on. Learn something about the Indigenous culture. Participate. Get out there. And they have round dances. They have powwows with intertribals where you're allowed to go out there and participate. And meet someone and ask them questions. Learn. I love it. Uh, I know you have to go, Chevy. It's so good to see you again. Councillor Swampy, it's so nice to see you. This is a pleasant surprise. We didn't expect it. And uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing sometime soon. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Wonderful. Your show's amazing, by the way. You're an amazing person. I think what you do is great. Your platform's amazing. And kudos to you for evolving and also evolving in 10 years <laughs> oh chevy thank you that means more to me than you probably know uh that's uh chevy rabbit i don't think chevy will mind being described as a force of nature i remember she started this it, it, it was called no hate it was like no h8 mm -hmm. uh, and then and then they, they, they evolved the, the branding to hate to hope but there were people that, that were purple on that day and it was chevy had been targeted and bullied uh, for their identity, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and turned that into a community rallying cry. And it was, I remember that day. Yeah. 
it was incredible. Like the sea of people that were like, this isn't going to happen on our watch. Yeah, it's great. Right? I, I moved to Edmonton in 2008. I think it was a year or two after that. Like just, I heard of, of Chevy and her, her story and yeah. everything. And just, I've been following along for like the, the past decade. Yeah. She's just an incredible person. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And then counselor swampy just in her own <laughs> regard. Like that was, I was like, Oh I wish we had like 20 more minutes, but you know what we'll do is we'll reach out to her. We'll get her back on the show because I haven't spoken with her for for probably over a year. And so we've, was, got, uh, we've got Sage here waiting. And yeah. Sage is ready to rock. Okay, so this, this show is moving fast. Uh, I haven't even had a chance to drop in on the live chat. My apologies, I, I, but but I encourage that this is just a, you know, a, a great opportunity for people to share. Um, artists, entrepreneurs, visionaries, movers and shakers, really, indigenous people across the country that have made an impression on them uh, and, and that have really sort of maybe what's it been for you deepened your understanding furthered your understanding of indigenous culture traditions practices as an indigenous audience member what does a day like today mean to you what have you liked with regards to what you've seen or heard on the show what would you like to see or hear more of you know it's it's great for us we love getting the feedback from people that will that will write in i mean i've got an email i'm not going to read it today um but i'm going to read it later this week a big one about the conservative leadership race the provincial one the united conservative leadership race in alberta but it takes an angle this letter takes an angle i wouldn't have taken and i love that we also love the feedback from people that say you know you know like what I haven't heard on the show. You know what? I'm a little confused with regards to why you're not talking about this. And we go, perfect. Thank you. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some shows that sort of, I won't say force feed you, but they let you know what you're going to hear every day. Uh, we want to be a show that that reflects the interests of our audience and that learns and grows together. And we mean that. We want to walk that walk. So you can be in touch with us anytime. Sage Morin coming up, the matriarch, in just a moment. Very excited to check in with Sage, a personal friend of mine, to be sure. Uh, but first, we want to let you know that the teams at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge are ready right now to help you solve whatever transportation problem it is you're looking to solve. Whether you're like my neighbor, Chad, I've told you all about him. Family had a beautiful new trailer, but nothing to pull it with. So he got in touch with the team at St. Albert Dodge. Next thing you know, Ram, crew cab with the Hemi. His family's hitting the campgrounds every single weekend. Jealous. Jealous. And then, oh, you should see this trailer. But but I digress. We're talking about what's pulling it right now. And then you've got the families that are going, <clears throat> yeah, it's like a buck ninety a liter for gas right now. And quite frankly, the last thing I need is a Hemi. I'm looking to downsize my room. I'm looking to get into something perhaps maybe in the four-cylinder variety or maybe something that's fully electric. They do that too. You can find them online. Look under the Sponsors tab on our website or go directly to their websites, SherwoodDodge.com, StAlbertDodge.com. You tell them Real Talk sent you. I talked to the team from Kubi Energy yesterday. Jake, of course, he and his, he and his team, you know that their team is growing at a pace they're doubling their staff more they're more than doubling their staff every six months i might go work there stop it john <laughs> stop it so i said to him well what's the deal and he goes well number one obviously more and more people are, are seeing opportunities when it comes to solar because the costs are coming down the reliability is going up battery storage is way better that type of thing yeah he says the other thing is the federal government introducing this forty thousand dollar interest-free loan for homeowners to install solar or other energy efficiency members. This is a zero interest loan. 40 grand, you also get a $5,000 rebate from the feds, a $4,000 rebate if you live in the city of Edmonton. So there are thousands of reasons for you to 
start getting going on your solar goals. Meet those solar goals today. You can get a free quote online at kubienergy.ca. And while we're talking about going green, while we're talking about looking after the planet, celebrating, how many people are going to be out celebrating light at 11 p.m. tonight, this June 21st, in their outdoor space? You know, you're sitting, maybe you you have that small pea gravel, the tiny, you know, those those stones that feel so good between your toes, and maybe in your fire pit, sitting in the Adirondack chairs. Mm -hmm. The birch firewood crackling around you. You know, you look back in those those tastefully appointed hydrangea bushes. I'm describing the space I'd like to create. Hydrangea. Yeah, the hydrangea is a real underrated, but it's hard to grow. We planted hydrangea bushes because I didn't consult with Eden Landscaping at a time. Put them in the wrong space. They're, they're either getting not enough light or too much light. I don't know. Either way, that's not working. I water the plants here when you're not around. Yeah, you do. I know you do. <laughs> I should not be in charge of plants. You should. If you're like me, you need to get in touch with the team at Eden Landscaping. Mike and his uh, family-owned business have been operating for more than 20 years, bringing outdoor spaces to life. Referrals and return business is how they gauge how they're doing, and they're looking pretty healthy on both fronts. You can find them today at landscapeedmonton.ca. Well, on this uh, National Indigenous Peoples Day, we made a conscious choice to celebrate people that are making a remarkable impression in their own community. And that includes our next guest. Sage Morin is a proud member of Saddle Lake Cree Nation and the Edmonton Urban Indigenous Community. She also happens to be an up and coming pro wrestler that's better known in the ring as the matriarch she's making her real talk debut this morning it is so good to see your face my friend how are you i think we oh sage last time you and i spoke in person last time we met in person maybe i wasn't asking you the right questions but i had no idea that pro wrestling was on your radar (laughs) and now you're already doing it like you've already had matches how did this come about can you talk to us about your journey you know, it's been quite a journey. And to be honest, back in 2013, when everything kind of started for me with the Justice for Geo, Monster Pro Wrestling was the, one of the first organizations to really step up and uh, they hosted a Justice for Geo event. Um, flash forward nine years, they asked me to join the organization and now I've been Throwing down in the ring. We've got a show July 2nd at Alberta Avenue. And I've just been, it's been a really great experience. Definitely something new. <laughs> well, it's it's incredible. And and your journey, and I, I, I teed it up a little bit earlier in the show. And, and, and I want to ask you about, you know, your sobriety and the, the some, some of the, uh, you know, I mean, really the, the, the remarkable strides that you've been making as of late. But I, I don't want to take for granted, Sage, that there will be people um, and I know that this is a difficult conversation. I might start crying and asking you the questions. You and I, this is how we first came to know each other was through tragedy, unimaginable tragedy. Your son, Gio, was killed uh, at, at a young age. You and your family um, gathered for a, a lunch on a patio. A driver crashed through the glass wall of that patio and your young son paid with his life. That man's mistake, uh, obviously turning your life upside down. And I don't think you have to be a parent to understand uh, the what that would do to your life. But if you are a parent, you can certainly uh, try to walk a mile in those shoes. You never saw it coming, obviously, but there you were left to clean up the pieces of your life. And, and it's been a hell of a journey for you. 
Definitely. And like I say, you know, like it's been, it's been quite the journey. And, and through that, I've found my healing has really come through ceremony, through being in nature, being on the land, being with my family. Uh, that has really been, you know, a huge healing point for me and something that I'm incredibly grateful for. And it's, it's my, my Indigenous identity that has kind of helped me and held me up through those most difficult times. Did you find like at a, at a point in your life, um, you know, whether it was like the teenage years or maybe it was after Gio's death or had, had you sort of strayed from maybe not your Indigenous identity, but from connecting to, to your culture and your traditions? There's definitely, you know, growing up, there's so much stigma and there's so much um, negative connotations that people would constantly come at you with for, uh, regarding being Indigenous. And it, it was hard to really have that pride and it's something that I've, I've had to really um, come through with, you know, um, now today as an Indigenous woman, it's it's an incredible, it's an incredible experience. It's, it's something that I'm completely proud to be. Um, what was the, uh, what was the turning point for you? Was there, was it, was it a gradual uh, journey for you or was there like a moment where you said, I need to reconnect? For me, I mean, my, my lineage, my parents were raised in residential school. Their parents were raised in residential and their parents were raised in residential school. And I think a lot, we hear a lot about the, the intergenerational trauma. But for me, what really um, is my driving force is really the intergenerational resiliency. The fact that we're still here, we're still thriving. And it's, it's such a beautiful, a beautiful way, to, way of life. Hmm. I don't think I've heard uh, intergenerational resiliency. Uh, I don't think we hear enough about that. But it's it's a story of survival, really, right? I, I mean, when Definitely. when you talk about, I mean, it, it really what it is is it's racism, right? I mean, let's let's call it what it is. When you say you face a lot of discrimination based on your indigenous identity, you face a lot of people have preconceived notions or whatever it is, um, whatever it would have been that that would have prevented or precluded you from from fully um, celebrating or living out that identity, who you are. Uh, really, have you noticed, like, do you notice a tide turning around you with non-Indigenous people? Do you notice a change in attitudes? Do you see it? Definitely. And even just amongst our Indigenous peers, I was actually a part of um, one of my friends' video shoot called Unapologetically Indigenous Queens. And that's really, like, that's how we walk around. We're unapologetic Indigenous queens and and. Yeah, that's how we that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing. Have you seen like with regards to getting involved in into wrestling now, uh, which is super cool. Do you do you see yourself as like is it is is part of what's driving you the understanding that that maybe you are going to have young boys and girls looking up to you as a role model? I mean, is, is this the I mean, like, look at this for people that are watching on YouTube right now, your artwork, you're amazing. This character that you've built, the matriarch. I absolutely love it. Uh, but but how much of how much sort of a, of a sense of responsibility or a sense of honor do you carry in knowing that young kids are going to be looking up to you? They're going to be at your matches. They've they've already like I've already had my debut match and there's already been kids in the crowd coming up to me and telling me like, 
oh my God, you're my favorite wrestler. Like you're so cool in there. And it's definitely that there's, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. That's definitely without a doubt, the best part of wrestling. But I would say the one part of wrestling that really caught me off guard was how healing wrestling would be for me. Um, you know, just as, as a survivor and all of the things that I've had to overcome with, you know, abuse and, and trauma, uh, to, to have the opportunity to step into the ring as a strong Indigenous woman, proud, it's cathartic in a way every time I get the chance to do it. So that's that's was the one thing that really surprised me. Yeah. And, and you're doing all this as well through, um, I'll, I'll reference words that you used to me, like a, a more clear lens. Uh, can you talk to us about, you talked about how you needed to clear the channel, I think it was, you said, clear the channel of communication between you and creator. You made a decision about a, a year and a half ago that, that you wanted to live life sober. And um, from what I can see from my perspective as a friend of yours, it's had a transformative impact on your life. Yes, 19 months ago today, actually. Congratulations. uh, Thank you. I made the decision to completely abstain alcohol from my life. And I made that decision just so that I could have a clear connection with my spirit and with my creator. Um, I I find alcohol has a way of just like dulling, dulling that experience and really... It, it's it's a depressant. It hasn't added anything to my life. It's been a main force behind um, behind the death of my son. So it, it just doesn't really have any room in my life or in my future. And since abstaining from alcohol, like I've been been able to do incredible things, and it's just been an honor to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, as a friend, I'm really proud of you. I'm excited to see what you're doing. This wrestling career is is such a cool new chapter in your story. Uh, what, what's it like for you getting into character? Like when when Sage morphs into the matriarch, what happens? You know, the matriarch is a very she's she's regal. She's you know, and then and she's very strong, and so it's it's not a very far stretch from yeah (laughs) yeah but but, um it's just like i said it's a it's a cool experience getting to to roll around these stinky boys but it's you know like it's like i said it's healing and we've got a show on july 2nd coming up and and every time i get to go into the ring it's just it's it's just an incredible experience. I get nerves. I get, it. but but then when you step out there and like you said, you see the fans and and you see the kids and it's just it's just an incredible experience. We get to go to BC, so we're we're going into more indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. We're going to Williams Lake and we're going to Quinell and getting to connect with a lot of the indigenous youth out there is just. That's a huge part of my heart. Sage, this, this is the it's it's monster pro wrestling. I pardon my ignorance, I don't know the answer. Is is this exclusively indigenous wrestlers or no? No. Okay. I'm uh, I'm actually making it my mission to indigenize monster pro wrestling as most as much as I can. This is my call out. Like if you're indigenous and you want to wrestle, contact me. I'm looking for you. <laughs> So, yeah, that's definitely one of my journey. I would like to include more of my Indigenous peers, more of the Indigenous youth. We want to um, go out into these Indigenous communities and involve the youth in wrestling, give them something else other than just 
you know, basketball or hockey. Basketball, hockey are great, but we would like to bring more diversity to our communities as well. So that's another goal of Monster Pro Wrestling. So very cool. I remember the first time people should follow you on Instagram at Deadliest Diva. Um, I remember the first video and you and I hadn't. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew that you were on a journey. That was obvious. You know, you had you'd sworn off alcohol and you were putting out really positive posts and and showing people you were training. And I was like, what is she up to? And then all of a sudden (laughs) and all of a sudden you posted this video of you training in, in a wrestling ring and you're on the top rope. Do you remember this one? You're on the top rope. You come slam body slam down. I was like, what is she doing? I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. And so the matriarch will be in action. It's at the Alberta Avenue Community Hall. It's coming up July 2nd. And and I think probably the best way for people to check it out is just go follow you on Instagram, right? At Deadliest Diva. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, Sage, I've been asking our guests today to to issue kind of essentially a challenge uh, to people that are going to hear this or watch this, however they get the show today on this National Indigenous People's Day. What's one thing uh, that you challenge people to do or to think about or, or to have a conversation about? What's your challenge? Um, I would say I challenge you to support Indigenous artists. We have an incredible art scene here in Edmonton. A lot of our artists are super talented. So if a great way to celebrate Indigenous People's Day for me is to find your favorite Indigenous artist and support them, buy, buy art from them, buy whatever they create. And get tickets to July 2nd to go see the matriarch in action. Definitely. Love Definitely. it. Hey, it's amazing to see your smiling face. Uh, Lots of love for you, Sage. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. That's Sage Moore, and she is the matriarch. That's a great name, by the way. Very good. The matriarch. And she doesn't mess around. Like, I'm talking top ropes, like, no joking around. I saw the video. Yeah. My little guy, Wyatt, was watching it. He's like, can we watch that one again? I was like, yeah. Check this. My back hurt watching Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, You can find her on Instagram, as mentioned, at Deadliest Diva. I love this from Tracy, who just says, today's guests have simply radiated positive energy, beauty, love, and strength. Tracy says, I'm blessed about the opportunity to listen to their messages. Tracy, that's amazing to hear. How about this from Brad, who says, I love hearing all about this healing and growth in people. This is so great. Jill says, let's indigenize everything. I love that word. Yeah, it's a it's a great verb, right? Let's indigenize everything. She says, culture and perspective, indigenous culture and perspective makes everything richer. My students would lose their minds when I would read indigenous tales and stories to them. I was telling you, our little guy, and it's not like this is profound or anything, but it's just cool to see uh, yeah. at his school. Just a, I think it was a couple of weeks ago or so, they had their annual powwow day, mm-hmm. and they, they yeah, and they they brought in this 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 group of storytellers and elders, and they erected this huge teepee. When you actually see them go up, it's fascinating, mm-hmm. super cool. Uh, but just seeing that as part of the learning experience for kids, I mean, it, you might say, well, that's not it's not like that's profound, but it's a small and doable step. And you'd like to see it in schools across the country, for that matter, in businesses across the country. Of course. Yeah. yeah organizations and the like. Um, hey, you know, when we talk about corporations or businesses in particular that, that are plugged into their communities, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to remind you how proud we are to partner with Park Power. Uh, across the province of Alberta, they're providing Internet, electricity and natural gas. And it's never been easier. Honestly, I'm not BSing you here to save money like that. Like you go to parkpower.ca, you compare rates. I can't 
actually guarantee that they're all going to be lower than what you're currently paying? Because I don't know what you're currently paying, but based on anecdotal evidence that we get from people that write into the show that say, I had no idea how I was getting gouged on administrative fees, for an example. Well, Park Power bundles them all together so you can save right off the hop there. And then, of course, your first month as well, $70 off your bill if you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK to sign up. You know what else I love about Park Power? They're not like the cell phone companies that sort of like lock you in and have all these penalties. It feels like a weird commerce relationship when the nice. company, right? When you sign a contract with it, but then there's they're just going to just absolutely take you for hundreds or even yeah. more if you have to leave. Park Power, you can leave at any time. I love the confidence of their business. They're like, if you don't like us, you can leave. Those are my words, not theirs, by the way. <laughs> They'd probably have a softer way of saying it. But I think that that shows confidence in their rates. It shows confidence in the quality of their service. You can find them online. Sign up today at parkpower.ca. Every Tuesday, we celebrate an innovation. Maybe it's a person, an organization, an invention that's having a transformative impact. We call it the leading edge, presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. And in the spotlight today is the Revolve Air Wheelchair. This is such a cool invention, literally, literally reinventing the wheel. Check this out. Time Magazine has called this one of its best inventions of 2021. Toyota has identified the Revolve Air wheelchair in its accelerator program for, for innovations that could use that extra kickstart. Yeah, you know, for people who use wheelchairs, traveling can present many additional challenges. Of course, there's the mobility around the airport. There's checking in hours before to try to make sure there's room on the flight for your chair or to pick up a chair at the airport to make sure you have one lined up at your destination. Chairs get damaged in transit, obviously. Never mind trying to get it loaded as a carry-on bag, right? Well, the Revolve Air is the world's first active wheelchair, so it fits the standards of a universal airline cabin luggage size restriction. Look at that, a perfect fit. And they're endeavoring to be the first chair that's actually classified as internationally carry-on certified, so you don't have to worry about it. Its founder, Andrea Mochelin, says this brings a total new independence to travel and commute every day. It's opening other doors as well for people who use wheelchairs, like being able to travel in compact cars. You don't need the big minivan with the ramp anymore. And public transit is more accessible now as well because the chair itself, compact, it folds down easily, literally to the size, and John, I'll say, of a trumpet case. If you ever played trumpet in elementary school band, this is the exact same size. Look at this, the accessibility of it, the convenience of it is amazing, and the wheel folds down to a third of its original size to make the Revolve Air wheelchair truly a transformative invention. You're going to start seeing these pop up at airports all around the world. People are reserving them. People are renting them so they can leave their own chairs at home. It's why Time Magazine calls it, again, one of its best inventions of 2021. It's why the Revolve Air wheelchair is on the leading edge. The leading edge is presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be the eve of the Real Talk Golf Classic. So, of course, we're going to be talking about that a little bit. But we're going to take a look at some national political trends, in particular out of Alberta and Quebec. 
For some reason, everybody wants to stack those two provinces up against one another to find out how Canadians are feeling about the politics around them. Plus, we're working toward another interview with a United Conservative Party leadership candidate. But today, let's recognize National Indigenous Peoples Day. Talk soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook Shivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Derlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola. Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.